Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Yokohama Avid Ascend LX. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The Volume. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer to help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook now and use code JOHN. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code J-O-H-N, JOHN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. 467-369 in Connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.com football for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. How are we doing? The AFC and NFC Championship Games right around the corner. Quick reaction to something I saw Lamar said today. The pressure rankings from last week carry right over. Kyle and Purdy against the Motor City Kitties and the Detroit Lions. I don't think that anything changes there, so we'll dive into the pressure on old Shanahan and Purdy against the Lions at home. And then something today that happened with Vic Fangio and just doesn't add up. We we, we will dive into that. He's no longer the Miami defensive coordinator, and all signs point to him being an eagle. We've had podcasts all week. We'll keep podcasts going. A lot of stuff happening. If you listen on Colin's feed, make sure you subscribe to 3 and Out feed. If uh, you like the video version of podcasts more than audio, for whatever reason, we got a uh, YouTube. Or if you just are want to find a new YouTube channel, we got one. All of our content is up there. It's rocking and rolling. It's only been a, it's only been live now about two months. And we're doing pretty good. So appreciate everyone that's subscribed over there. And uh, the volume.com, we got merch. We got hats. Before we dive into some football, though, 
uh, grab, grab your iPad, grab your smartphone, and download a little thing we like to call Game Time. They're the official ticketing app of this podcast. They are my friends. They are my partners. And most notably, I use them. And I use them consistently. You can go to anything. You want to go to a football game. You want to go to a basketball game. You want to go to a concert. You want to get out of the house. Do All you do is work. I can relate. We just work, work, work. Don't have a life. Family, wife, girlfriend, getting honest. Like, we need to do something else. I'm like, I'm just working. And then you get in this tunnel vision, and then you go out and have a good time. You're like, God, I've missed that. Well, I'm throwing you a deal right now. Go to a comedy show, to a concert, to a game, and do it on me. Promo code John. Promo code John. J-O-H-N. J-O-H-N. You a Lions fan, a Niner fan, a Chiefs fan, a Ravens fan? You want to go to the old Super Bowl? Well, I might have you covered because look at if your team gets in, promo code John, $20 off. Can't recommend them enough. Okay, the breaking news, Jim Harbaugh leaving the University of Michigan, a champion, and heading to the Los Angeles Chargers. Let's start with the Chargers angle of all this. It is never too late. It is never the wrong time to do the right thing. And while they have consistently got it wrong for years now with coaching, they had no other option. They had to put all their chips in the middle of the table. What they just went through the last couple of years with Brandon Staley, they, they were the worst combination of everything. They were irrelevant. They weren't winning games. They were a laughingstock. They're the second team in a city. Yet they have this quarterback with all this talent who they had just paid all this money to. And for the first time in a long time, they swam in the deep end when it came to talking to the important people. And they circled the right guy. Because this guy now had... One thing Jim Harbaugh's good at is when he took over the 49er job, one, he took over the Stanford job, they were 1-11 laughingstock. He takes over the 49er job, Mike Singletary, who's one of the worst all-time coaches. Then he goes to Michigan after the Brady Hoke debacle. And now he comes to the Chargers after Brandon Staley. So one, he's proven he can win, but he also does not like follow Nick Saban or Bill Belichick. He follows the guy that no one's ever going to hire again for that job at that level program or in the NFL. So Jim, don't sleep on Jim that way. But the Spanos family is never going to be the most important thing in Los Angeles. That's impossible. The, the, the Lakers and the Dodgers will always be bigger than them. Even the Rams had been in L.A. for a long time before St. Louis stole them. But here's the thing. When you have Jim Harbaugh as your head coach, and you have a quarterback who has the chance, he kind of fell off a little bit this year, but I think all eyes will be on him moving forward, to be a guy who's consistently talked about and plays like and in the game's verse in the biggest moments now because Jim's history is he wins. He goes to the playoffs. NFL college doesn't matter. He's winning double-digit games, and he's in the games that matter. So Herbert is going to be playing against Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. See the television ratings the last couple weeks? Talking 35, 40, 50 million people watching these games. So he can take your franchise to a level that you guys have just fallen into relevancy. And let's face it, you're in a division with the best coach in football, Andy Reid, the best quarterback in football, Patrick Mahomes. 
Another guy, while polarizing, we can't argue that Sean Payton is not good at his job. He got $90 million to coach Denver. Like, I think Denver is going to be much better. And in a conference that is just loaded with star quarterbacks. So you couldn't afford to go the route in which you've been going. And in fairness, they knew that. And from talking to people and clearly just based on their actions, this was their number one guy all along. And this is the type guy who can change the course of your franchise. I saw it with the 49ers. They were so shitty before he got there. It didn't matter how many talented guys, how many pro bowlers and all pros they had potential on their team. They didn't play like that with a bad coach. Because when you have a bad coach, I don't care the talent you have on your team, you're always going to underachieve. And the 49ers were in a situation where they were playing this dilapidated stadium. Their their ownership relative to the rest of the league didn't have as much money. And then within a couple years during the Super Bowl, they get funding you know, for a new stadium and change their franchise. Now, it ended poorly, but I would say this. Jim Harbaugh feels like a different guy now at 60 years old than he did at 45. The guy we saw at Stanford and with the 49ers. He's still a little quirky, a little out there, but he does feel like he just matured a little bit as the head honcho. And clearly, once he won at Michigan, he had his eyes set on the Chargers. Not because he used to play there, not because I think that his coaching career started as a head coach in San Diego, but because they have a legit quarterback. And I think his brother serves as a great example. Judd Harbaugh was on the hot seat the year Lamar Jackson was drafted. They had not been good. And then even that season, it was not going well with Joe Flacco. Lamar Jackson changed the course and the trajectory of John Harbaugh's career. Changed it. Put him in a stratosphere of like, he just should have a good team moving forward as long as Lamar Jackson has two feet. (laughs) So Jim Harbaugh, like... He got lucky. Like, clearly he wanted the Minnesota job a couple years ago. And listen, he would have competed with Kirk Cousins. But this is a better opportunity. It it really is. Now, it's tough. AFC coaching division. But Jim Harbaugh proved he could win the big one, which was kind of the elephant in the room with him. Now, could he join the elite company of, obviously, if you were to win a Super Bowl, he'd be in rare air of guys that have done both, college and the pros. But the other thing is like, You win with the Chargers? You get the Chargers to be really good? Talk about a notch on your belt. Like, you could argue that'd be the most impressive thing he's done since Stanford. Like, the 49ers are proven. Like, they should be good. Michigan, like, they should be good. The Toreros in San Diego, that was impressive, but no one even can contextualize that. Stanford, like, that's that's a difficult job. This is a difficult job. Because they consistently do not win. They consistently let you down. They consistently blow games. And from an ownership standpoint, they consistently go cheap on coaches. So Jim's not cheap. And Jim guarantees you, to me, like relevancy, sometimes like that's like a marketing term. This is like sub substantial, tangible relevancy because you're going to win because that's all the guy has ever done. He guarantees you winning. Even Bill Belichick who I think it's crazy that the Falcons already haven't offered him the job and made him their head coach. But I could see it's like, well, if you remove Tom Brady, it doesn't matter with Jim Harbaugh. He had a ton of different quarterbacks in Michigan, 
won 9 to 11 games all the time. Got his best quarterback, won the natty, and went to the playoffs nonstop. One with Alex Smith, one with Kaepernick, one with Andrew Luck, one with the dude before Andrew Luck. So this guy's proven he can win with any type quarterback. So when you give him a talented quarterback, the other thing, the Harbaugh family, like one of their best talents, like neither of them call offense or defense. They're CEO head coaches. They are elite at hiring assistant coaches. It is a, it's something that we don't talk about enough. We, we really don't. Because it's no different than like talking about GMs. We talk about GMs a lot. Like how does he draft? You do know there's more to being a GM than just draft picks. Who, you know, around who do you sign and trade and cut and stuff during the season? How are you in free agency? How is your ability to work with coaches? You bring other stuff to the table with your coaching staff. It's more than just like, well, who does he draft in the third round? As a head coach, building your staff is something that is essential for success. Especially like John and Jim don't call plays. They always have excellent coordinators. Especially for Jim, who, you know, former quarterback, leans offense. We know what his offense is going to look like. He's going to love running the ball. He's going to have a tight end. He's going to want to be very, very physical. But defensively, two reasons they dominate. One, he hires premium guys on that side of the ball. And two, because of his style on offense, it creates a more physical team. It's why a lot of spread offenses aren't physical on defense. You are who you practice against. So to me, I would expect Jim to bring his defensive coordinator who comes from the Ravens, mentor, with him to the Chargers, who proved that He's big time. Like, the guy's a star. Just like Mike McDonald, who's Harbaugh's, right? And offensive coordinator, I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see. I would imagine Sharon Moore, a buddy of mine in the NFL, just texted me, do you know what would be a boss move if the University of Michigan hired Mike Vrabel? I was like, you think he'd go to Michigan, be an Ohio State guy? He's like, put $18 million a year in front of him. See if he says no. And once you get old enough, like, yeah, who cares? That'd be kind of crazy. But this... It's way less devastating for Michigan once he won that title. Like, it's like, whatever. Listen, if we wanted to argue all day about the sign stealing, I think it's just the cost of doing business. Did he cross the line a little bit? Yes. Everyone in business is going up against the line. A lot of successful companies cross that line. If you don't, you're not going to be successful. Successful people don't avoid that line. Some, yes, jump it and get in trouble. Welcome to fucking capitalism. (laughs) Welcome to high-pressure competitive industries. It's part of the deal. It doesn't bother me as much. Just like the stuff with Belichick taping the signs. Everyone was doing it. He just got the most extreme. Now, I do understand it's easier to be a head coach in the NFL than in college. With NIL, the transfer portal, That can't be that fun. Where literally every guy on your roster is a free agent every single year. Which you'd be like, well, it's always happened with the coaches. Yeah, it's true. But now it's the players too. So if I had a choice between the NFL, where I have players under contract, or college, where I also have to pay them through the NIL, but then also they can leave if they don't like their status, like that has to be exhausting. And clearly they're going to come after the NCAA, which again, I can't wrap my head around how these universities still deal with the NCAA. This isn't like the United States government where you have no choice. You got to pay taxes. Like, couldn't you just break off? 
What does the NCAA bring to the Big Ten or to any of the major conferences now? They don't own the playoffs. They have nothing to do with the television network contracts. So I would imagine he doesn't want to get in trouble and get suspended again. So he's like, I'm out. And I, I want to try to win that Super Bowl. And this is, in my opinion, the best opportunity for me to win the Super Bowl. I've said all along, I, I hope he stayed on, on Saturdays because the NFL didn't necessarily need him, though he is an addition wherever he goes. You hire Jim Harbaugh, it's an addition to your team, to your division, to your league. He's an important character in the number one television show that is now football. The number one show is the NFL, and the number one B show is college football. So as long as he stays in the mix, like we're better off with him coaching. Like Sean McVay, like, yeah, he can go to Amazon and make $20 million. Football is better with him on the sideline. And I, I think Jim Harbaugh is one truly of the great cash cows we've ever seen in the sport. Every single place that has made Jim Harbaugh as their coach has benefited greatly. The Michigan thing was a little rocky at first. And by the end, he was kicking the shit out of Ryan Day. You knew who had a great day today? Ryan Day. What a moment for Ryan Day. Now he has the highest payroll with Texas in the country, and he does not have to face Jim Harbaugh ever again. You'd be like, well, John, he didn't face Jim Harbaugh this year. Well, Jim got to coach the team during the week. Jim's just gone. And now the pre- if he can't beat Sharon Moore, assuming he'll be the next head coach at Michigan, I would imagine Ryan Day will be fired at the end of next season. I guess you could still make the playoffs and who knows, win a national championship. So I got, I got to look at college football a little bit differently. But like, you can't go on Florida, Michigan and keep your job. That's just not the way it works there. Uh, I don't care how many times you beat Rutgers or Wisconsin. But big moment for Ohio State. Sucks for Michigan, but at least you got that national title. And it was an impressive national title. You beat Nick Saban the last game he ever coached. Uh, I know the score was relatively close, but as someone that had Washington money on them, you took it to them. And Harbaugh brought you back to glory. That's what he does everywhere. He brings you glorious moments because you win. And no franchise was in more desperation for some glory and some just important games and thinking like, oh, the Chargers are good. The Chargers are going to win than the Spanos family. And I know they've pushed back. I know a lot of people that know them. They're like, they, they, they get so insecure about being called cheap. We pay our players. Every team pays their players. Mike Brown's handing out $200 million to quarterbacks. Everyone has money now. This is the type of move, like, this is your money. Everyone has the media money, the salary cap. you got to pay the players no matter what. What about this type of move? Because historically, you've gone cheap on this. Well, Jim's not cheap. And Jim is expensive, and he gives you a chance to win. And he almost guarantees you just success. Whether that's 10-7 and seven or 11-6, and six, like, you'll be in the playoff mix. Something that Brandon Staley was taking you clearly in the wrong direction. But what a day. Jim Harbaugh's back in the National Football League. And Lamar Jackson, when talking earlier today on Wednesday, mentioned that he viewed playing Patrick Mahomes as like, you know, a heavyweight fight. And I started thinking, one thing is not debatable. It's much more difficult these last several years in the AFC than it is in the NFC in terms of quarterbacks. I mean, last year, Daniel Jones was in the second round. This year, last year, you're talking Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and and now C.J. Stroud has thrown his hat in the ring. It's not even close. Last year, Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, when he was capable. The, The premium quarterbacks 
that are in the AFC. It's why we talked about coming into this season how difficult that conference would be. And I think what's cool about this matchup is like, let's face it, we've seen Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes happen three times. (laughs) And it hasn't worked out for Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. That sucks. Now, I, I, like most people, I saw 50 million people watch that game on Sunday. I don't think it gets much better than that. You could argue Buffalo is the best home field advantage at night in the cold in terms of a viewer on their couch. It just pops. It just works. Lambeau's pretty special. I'm talking these old school stadiums that just have a purity to it. When I used to go to a lot of games, when I first got into this business uh, and started doing radio, Candlestick was still around. And then I used to go to a lot of games at the Oakland Coliseum. And listen, those places were complete shitholes. Candlestick, they literally blew it up. And the Coliseum, they should blow up that entire area. I dynamite it all. Oracle as well. But there was, if you were at a football game and the game was good, th- there was something special about it. Weren't many suites. Wasn't really some elitist crowd. Listen, I- I've been to a lot of games at Levi's. It's a high-end consumer because it costs a lot to get in there. The, the suite prices are absurd. Right, That's what most of these new stadiums are. When you go to these old, dilapidated places, it's just about the sport. And listen, as if I ran a business, if I was one of these owners, I'd want to get rid of that too. The best thing that ever happened to the 49ers' ownership in terms of wealth was getting a new stadium, getting out of candlesticks. So I get it. And the Buffalo Bills have been trying hard to get a new stadium, but that's pretty special. That, that is, that's an awesome place to watch. But ultimately, it was Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. Doesn't get much better than that. The last two years in the conference championship, it was Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes. And now we're getting Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes. I mean, those three players alone, or excuse me, four players, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Joe Burrow. I mean, we're talking well over a billion dollars worth of quarterback. (laughs) I mean, those are the four best, when healthy, easily the four best quarterbacks in the NFL. I would, obviously, Mahomes has set in stone the number one spot, what he's earned and his resume over the six years. And then it kind of ebbs and flows between the other three, right? So it, it doesn't get any better. And the NFC has, Jared Goff was the number one overall pick, but no one's putting Jared Goff in those conversations. Part of the reason we never shut up about Brock Purdy, which is exhausting, he was the last pick in the draft. Before that, it was Baker Mayfield, who was on his third team. I mean, the, the quarterback situation, Jordan Love had never had played one game as the, like, one of the last picks in the first round from like four years ago up until this season. And up until about two months ago, he wasn't very good. His own team was like, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how these last 10 games go. So the cream of the crop is in the AFC. And where I come around on this game initially is I'm not, as of right now, I don't have any money on the Ravens. I, I took the Ravens last week, minus nine and a half. Their roster is just, anyone that's watched them start to finish is just superior to basically every other team. And we saw them play what we view as the, the best roster in the NFL, and they destroyed them in the Niners. Now you can be like, well, they got some lucky tips or whatever. Like, they kicked their ass. And the Ravens are a complete team, right? Part of Buffalo's problem is defensively, they couldn't get a stop to save their life. If Hardeman doesn't fumble out of the corner of the end zone, I mean, they probably lose that game by double digits. That's not the problem here. The other thing the Ravens have going for them, beside an offense which 
statistically is not as good, just in terms of his rush touchdowns, his pass touchdowns, as some of his previous years. He's better than he's ever been right now. Lamar Jackson, to me, has taken a step this season into superstardom. I know he was really famous and he had won an MVP. He's dramatically better as a player, in my opinion, just from watching football, than he has been, you know, especially early on in his career. He's not as dependent on as a runner, yet he is still an elite runner. And he is much more calm and collected when he's scrambling around to ultimately pass. And he, you just fear him in every element of the game. But their defense is dominant. I mean, their front four, they don't have famous guys in the front beside Clowney. They are a dominant group. Their two linebackers, you could argue, are the best in the business right there with Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. But Kyle Hamilton, like the, one of the reasons I think the Chiefs could be in a little trouble is, obviously they're very dependent on Kelsey. They need him to play well, right? They, they don't have many other good wide receivers. And he did last week. Had a couple touchdowns, makes big plays. And he's a primetime, as Dickie V would say, a PT peer, right? Well, they have the ability to somewhat neutralize him with two good linebackers and a safety that was born to cover tight ends. So if he can't really get going, and Pacheco is currently on the injury report, though I would imagine he plays, he's, it's going to be tough to run for 80-plus yards against these guys. I looked his over-under on DraftKings was like 60 or low 60s. So and I, I, like everybody, loves Pacheco. But this is a matchup that really favors the Ravens in terms of like a conference championship against the defending champs and the number one seed. I mean, we're, I'm not acting like this is some elite team against some middle-of-the-road team. I'm talking about you're playing the, the 2.0 version of Brady and Belichick in Mahomes and Andy Reid, which is why I'm hesitant to bet against them. Because I, I didn't have money on the Sunday night game. I, I would have taken the Bills. And I would have been kicking myself. You just bet against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes? Are you a fucking idiot? That, that would have been my mindset. And obviously, the Chiefs have the coaching advantage here, but John Harbaugh's pretty damn good. And I think what separates this team is their coordinators. I mean, to me, Mike McDonald is the, currently the best defensive coordinator in the NFL. Now, that can ebb and flow on a given year, but I, I would, if I could have any guy as my defensive coordinator next year, I, I would pick him. Now, he might end up being a head coach. It's hard to tell how all these dominoes are going to fall. Like, it's like, well, the Lions could lose both coordinators. Are we sure? Like, to where? What job openings? Chargers hire Harbaugh. Raiders' job's already filled. Are these guys going to the Panthers? What if the Falcons end up with Belichick? Like, where are the openings here? The Patriots are already filled. You know, I think we think all these guys are going places, and then you start doing the musical chairs. You're like, a lot of chairs have people sitting in them right now. So my early reaction is I, I, I'm like the Ravens. Now, I, I would probably, if this number gets to, it's, keeps moving up, uh, like the Chiefs, but I think the, the ability to just slow down Travis Kelsey is something that would be a major problem for Kansas City. But like Lamar says, this is a heavyweight matchup. It doesn't get any better than this. I saw a headline that the Ravens are pulling out all the stops. Ray Lewis, Jonathan Ogden, like leading out the team, you know, hitting the drum. Uh, it's going to be badass. And to me, the AFC, when you factor in the, the pageantry of the cold, it's something dependent on who's hosting the NFC games isn't a factor. And it's a huge factor in football. Like, I'm a sucker for that, right? I'm not acting like I'm not rooting for the Niners this week, but just in terms of if I was indifferent and was on my couch, I would rather watch a cold weather game. I would, in January. That's why the AFC, we're talking heavyweight fighters. 
Speaking of the NFC, I said last week, in terms of the pressure rankings, I didn't even think it was close. John Harbaugh already has a ring. Lamar Jackson's in like the prime of his career under contract for the foreseeable future. Yes, if they were to lose on Sunday at home, that would suck. Or they make the Super Bowl and they don't win, that would suck. But those guys are so ingrained and entrenched in the organization. Like, let's face it. You can't ask, well, can John Harbaugh ever win the big one? It's like, yeah, he did, 2012. One of the things with Kyle Shanahan, and you could feel it watching that game on Saturday night. You're like, he's really going to blow it at home as an enormous favorite against a team who's about to fire their defensive coordinator? He's, he's playing Joe Barry in a chess match. That guy is going to be relieved of his duties Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Turns out it was Wednesday. <laughs> but he's, he's holding on for dear life for his job. And he's coming down the home stretch. And the Purdy thing is, I've defended him. And I will continue to defend him. He's a really good player. But that, that was an alarming experience. Now, if it doesn't rain, we should get a better version of him. And he's playing the Lions, who, let's face it, their pass defense sucks. Their corners are not good. So if Aiden Hutchinson, if you just block him, like something some of these teams have, they just like leave him unblocked. I don't, I don't know what you think the number two pick in the draft that's 6'7 and an elite pass rusher. I, I'd probably want to get a hat on a hat there. To me, the 49ers should win this game. <laughs> now, I, I would bet the farm if you told me Debo was 100% healthy. I, I'd be like, I think the 49ers are scoring 40 plus in this game with Debo being very much up in the air. And it's hard to tell, tell they're being mum about it. If he broke his shoulder again and they're trying to shoot it up and play through the pain, you know, who knows? Maybe he plays a play and gets tackled and then he's out. So I, I think he is a big swing guy. Clearly when he's on the field and it's not raining, this offense is dominant. It's elite. The only time they struggled with him on the field this season was against the Baltimore Ravens, who, like we said, I think it's the best defense in the league with the best defensive coordinator. But the the pressure on Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy, like I I am not some Brock Purdy hater. I've said all along, he was excellent this season. You can't watch him and go, that's a big-time quarterback, the way he played throughout the regular season. If you've watched the 49ers during their, their run of all these teams making runs to the championship game, he is easily the best version of any quarterback they've had, and it's not even close. Like, he is dramatically better than the best version of Jimmy, which wasn't bad. But, like, you don't play well in this environment when all these people are watching. The the overreaction is going to lean negative. And this notion that, like, it's just just a narrative that's out there. We've seen Kyle replace quarterbacks. We've seen him do it constantly, even with the 49ers. We've been talking about this all week. Got rid of Jimmy, then got rid of Trey. Even told Brock Purdy last year, like, hey, man, Mike get Tom Brady. If he can come out of retirement, you'll be his backup. He's ruthless. He's cutthroat. This is the National Football League. <laughs> Walsh, Parcells, Belichick. These guys are kind of ruthless. Hell, Sneaky Andy's pretty good at that, too. He just kind of has a smile on his face. He's gotten rid of a lot of guys over the years. And, like, th- this notion that, like, this guy's a lock to be the quarterback for the next 10 years, h- how could you say that? Now, if he plays well in this game and then they win the Super Bowl, like, it's not like they're giving them a contract extension after the second year. They're not even allowed to do that. So you, you could feel, I'm telling you, I've been watching this team for so long. It wasn't even just, I couldn't believe they were going to lose. It was, you could feel this pressure on the offense and the quarterback every single snap of that game on Saturday. Now, one of his defining characteristics, like think about the other quarterbacks that are currently playing, the other three guys. Jared Goff. 
was the number one pick in the fucking draft. The number one pick in the draft. He's one of like five quarterbacks to ever take multiple franchises to the conference championship. That includes like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Brett Favre. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty good list. Kurt Warner. A lot of guys wearing gold jackets in that list. So Jared Goff has had some low moments, but he's had a pretty freaking good career. Patrick Mahomes, one of the greatest athletes any sport we've ever seen any position. And Lamar Jackson has proven like, yeah, I, I am an all-time great. And definitely has the opportunity to kind of solidify that these next couple games. Then you got pick 262. <laughs> that like physically isn't anywhere near these guys, right? Has the weakest arm of the bunch. Now he's a better athlete than Jared Goff, but he really hangs his hat on intangibles, anticipation, stuff that matters at quarterback. No, there, there was a play Baldinger tweeted out, I saw in my timeline, how he checked to a run on, one of the, on the long Christian McCaffrey, flipped the play, uh, the Christian McCaffrey touchdown. Like, Purdy brings a lot to the table, right? And he made some big throws on that final drive, which they ultimately won. And the point of the game is to win, right? Survive in advance. But there was a reason there was so much negativity after that game. Right? There wasn't negativity around the Ravens after they scored 24 and answered in the second half and beat the shit out of the Texans. Right? There was around the 49ers because it felt like they were going to lose that game 95% of it. Now, moving forward, like you beat the Lions by a couple touchdowns, it all gets forgotten. You're going to the Super Bowl. And then it becomes, can you get revenge on the Ravens or can you take down the champs who took you down five, six years ago in the last Super Bowl that you guys played each other? So the, the pressure on this team... Like, if you just did the pressure rankings, and listen, it's a conference championship game. You're never guaranteed to come back unless you're the Chiefs. You go every year. But the Ravens, the Niners, and the Lions, who freaking knows? You got, there's pressure on you. But I think Kyle and Brock Purdy are in their own category. And rightfully so. Like, I don't even think that's really debatable. Then to me, next would be Harbaugh and Lamar. But like I said, I, you know, it's what's going to happen? Like, it would be disappointing. But I think you'd feel pretty good about your chances next year. You could argue the Lions have more pressure than the Chiefs. It's like, well, where are they going? Until it's verified that Andy Reid is retiring, I am not banking on him leaving. And as long as you've got Andy and Patrick Mahomes, and I'll promise you this, their offense is going to be better next year. Like, they'll be back. The Lions, like, let's face it, last time they got to a championship, it's like, we're going to get a really good team. We're going to be around. I remember watching the Barry Sanders documentary. He even said it. He's like, we're going to be good. Then they weren't, and they sucked, and they fell apart, and coaches got fired. And they didn't make it back to this game for 30-plus years. The Cowboys are like, God, are we, are we the longest streak since at, you know, two and a half decades? So I would probably have the Lions third. But it's weird because they, they could lose this game 40 to nothing, and it would suck. I'm, I'm acknowledging that if you're a Lions fan. It's still been probably the most incredible season of the majority of people listening's life, right? So... Uh, I think that the tangible pressure on this Niner team to take care of business, especially if it's not raining, whether Debo plays or not, you know, you got a lot invested in that defensive line. And the one reason the 49ers used to beat Sean McVay every single time they played, when they were good and when they were bad, up until the conference championship game, which I think they would trade all those wins for that win. But regardless, was because now the the Rams, beside Whitworth, their offensive line was always kind of questionable. And the Niners used to eat it alive. And Jared Goff can't run, right? He's, he's very old school. He's Eli, Phillip Rivers. He, he's of that mold, which I still have a soft spot for, though that type player is, is kind of disappearing throughout football. Like you watch college football, 
hell, you just watch Google like rival, uh, watch some top 10 quarterbacks on rivals. They, they don't really play like that anymore. But if Jared Goff's untouched, like he can really make you pay, especially the weapons they have. Assuming Laporte is going to play, Laporte, both the running backs can catch. St. Brown is a fucking baller. Uh, Jameson Williams can just stretch your defense. So you got to hit him. And when you hit him, historically, and I saw Sherman said this, he's like, I've seen the guy fold. Now, I think Jared Goff is mentally tougher now than he was five or six years ago, three or four years ago. I also think he's playing in front of a much better offensive line. So it's harder to hit him. And if Nick Bosa is not dominating the game, like Chase Young, where are you? Do you exist? Like, who's going to pay that guy? Eric Armstead. Like, need some, paying you $15 million a year. I know you're banged up. Hargrave, you're making $20 million a year. A lot of cash invested into those cats up front. And uh, they, they need plays. And if they hit Jared Goff, the Lions have no chance. If they're not touching them, every, and Debo's not playing, game get weird and the game get weird fast. Because the Lions got a bunch of good players. Obviously, you don't make it this far without having high-end talent. And I think the scary thing is, big picture is like, they got a lot of young high-end talent. Like, I don't think the Lions are going anywhere. That's just some initial thoughts on, on, the, on the games. It makes me sad sometimes when I think, like, God, football's going away. Not forever, obviously, just for, you know, like eight months till it comes back. And really, not totally, because we get free agency, then we get the draft. But I, I like the games. One thing I saw today, a story that was just kind of like, something's weird here. Last year, when Vic Fangio went to the Dolphins, everyone knew that he was going to go to the Eagles. But then when Jonathan Gannon, and they make the Super Bowl, they couldn't fire the guy that was their coordinator in the Super Bowl. Like, Joe Barry, if the Packers had beat the Niners and then beat the Lions and go to the Super Bowl, like, Joe Barry's keeping his job. Just a reality of the business, right? But once they got that far, because they probably thought about firing. If they had lost to the Giants or even the 49ers, I don't know if Jonathan Gannon was set in stone. They would have fired him, gone with Vic Fangio. Once they made the run and it didn't look like he was going to become a head coach, Vic Fangio's like, guys, I love Philadelphia. I'm from this region, but I, I got to take a job and they're offering me a ton of money. So he goes to the Dolphins. Obviously, then that's why Howie and the Eagles went after the Arizona Cardinals for tampering. But then today, when news breaks that Fangio has mutually departed with the Dolphins, and listen, I don't have much information beside the Pelissaro adam Schefter tweet, and all signs point to him going back to the Eagles. This is a cutthroat business. Like, this is no different than most people listening, the industries you're in whether you're in the restaurant business, the alcohol business, the fucking software business, the medical sales business, we're all in businesses that you got to be pretty aggressive and at times pretty cutthroat and draw a line in the sand and say, There's a, we have a contract for a reason. And the difference between college football and the National Football League is like a player can leave wherever in college football. A coach can leave wherever. Do you notice in football, like I just can't, I just want Sean McVay to be my coach on the Dallas Cowboys and I can't just take Sean McVay. If this was college football, Sean McVay would be getting enormous offers from people like the Cowboys, the Eagles. He'd be like, hey, we'll pay you $40 million a year. But that's not possible. It doesn't happen. No different with coordinators. I can't just take someone else's awesome offensive coordinator. right? You can't, the Eagles can't just like, hey, Ben Johnson, if you don't get a job, we'll pay you $10 million to be our offensive coordinator. College, it happens all the time. Because in football, like, I sign you to a two or three you know, year contract. Wink Martindale had signed a three-year, basically like $10 million contract. So one of the things when he's like, F it, I'm out, he had to hand back that money, right? He's like, I'm not working for this guy anymore. 
why would the Dolphins not want Fangio to stay? Clearly, they weren't mad at him or anything because it's not like they'd fired him. Obviously, if you watch them play, they had a million injuries. What was he supposed to do? And I think we all acknowledge he's one of the better defensive coordinators in the NFL. Like, the Eagle, if, if the roles were reversed and the Dolphins wanted the Eagles coordinator, who the Eagles did not want to give up, over hell or high water would they allow this to happen. Now, the Eagles are cutthroat. They do not mess around. And clearly, look how this played out. Like, they were aggressive forcing this to happen. How can the Dolphins allow this? If anything, it's like, okay, we're semi-okay. Like, maybe we want a different scheme or whatever. You got to trade us like a third-round pick for the guy. We're just going to, hey, we'll just give you your money back, whatever. You just, we'll just rip up the contract. We don't owe you any money. You can do whatever you want. Like, Vic Fangio's not going to struggle to get a job. So, hell, we saw it last year. Sean Payton wanted Vic Fangio, but Vic Fangio wouldn't go back to the Denver Broncos because he had just been fired. So I, I just, I, I can't fathom. There's a fine line between like treating someone right and doing classy things in business and like doing business. And sometimes doing business, it's, listen, it's, if you go on the X channel, as my mom calls it, and see the, the way the media reacts to a lot of stories, like they don't really understand. They're all emotion. Like sometimes in business, you got to remove the emotion. It's pretty black and white. Like, I'm not just allowing you to go to the fucking Eagles. I don't care they're not in our division. I don't care that we don't play them. It does not matter. This is not the way, this is not some industry standard that we just have to let you walk. We paid you a lot of money and hired you for a reason. We want you here. You're good. (laughs) You came here for a reason. Now you just changed your mind? Like, and I'm all for, like, contracts are meant to be broken. Totally agree. But if this is just because, like, yeah, I'd just rather be in Philly. Seems a little crazy to me. Uh, and, it, and it seems like the Eagles are kind of working the Dolphins here. Maybe the Dolphins just, they've been through enough shady things over the years. They, they don't really want to get into the weeds, but I don't know. Something, something doesn't add up. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco-alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, 
and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, let's dive into the mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and uh, get your question answered here on the show. Like Brian. Love the show. Appreciate you. Obviously, football is brutal and exhausting, and players can get gassed, especially at the end of games. Is it regular practice for teams to pound caffeine or energy drinks during games? I think the short answer there is no. This is not baseball where you see guys drinking Red Bulls all the time because of the sweat that, I mean, maybe sweat a little less, I guess, in freezing cold temperatures, but you can have a, uh, I think, a diuretic. I'm not, no trainer here, medical professional, but you don't, as someone who, I'm addicted to caffeine, but you couldn't drink caffeine drinks and afford to get a cramp during the thing. So I, I would say no. I mean, you're talking about some of the greatest athletes in the world, and I think that's why nutrition and hydration are so big for these guys, eating the right foods and drinking the proper fluids, which typically is like water and electrolytes and the right type of uh, intake on game day. I would imagine young guys, you know, rookies, whatever, but any veteran player, very, very strict on on what these guys are eating, right, and and putting into their body in general. And and caffeine mid-game, like a Red Bull, even if it was sugar-free, just that's not, no, not happening. Good question, though. I mean, you and I wouldn't eat them. Is it irrational to think that the NFC winner needs to blow out their opponent in order to prove that they won't get smoked by whoever's coming out of the AFC? Well, I, th- I think the the Lions or the and obviously the Niners can play with the Chiefs, like this version of the Chiefs, given that you know they just struggle to score, like they're not exactly explosive offense. But I, I do think the Ravens. I'm talking to Stucky. We usually record on Thursday. That'll come out on Friday. Uh, Last week, we kind of did some potential matchups, and the 49ers would have been favored before the second round against the Ravens. I think that's crazy. To me, right now, 
They've, we've already seen them play. What we just witnessed of the 49ers, regardless how they look, if the Ravens win on Sunday, they have to be the favorite in the Super Bowl. They, they cannot be getting points. So I, I think it would be like, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Niners or Lions could be the Chiefs. You know, I, I think the Ravens, if they play their A game, are going to be very, very tough to beat because how good their defense is and their offense is explosive. Now, it doesn't mean like the Niners can win that game. The Niners are actually suited if Debo's healthy for a dome. Their explosive offense, how just their quarterback's comfortable in a dome. Not like I would count them out. The Lions, their pass defense is so terrible. Uh, would be a lot more difficult against the Ravens. They would be probably a touchdown underdog. Maybe more. Uh, maybe, maybe less. Maybe six and a half, seven points. Don't get me wrong. I think Burrow is a great NFL quarterback. However, I do think he's a tad overrated. I would take Lamar, Allen, Love, and Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams? Over him. I think he's too injury prone. And then Jake Browning stepped in and had better stats. I would love to know your top five quarterbacks in order. I, I, I can't. One injury. I know he got injured his rookie season, but the back-to-back seasons of, or I guess, was that his third season? Of going to the Super Bowl and last year going toe-to-toe with Mahomes in Kansas City who ended up winning the Super Bowl, I can't just write him off. <laughs> Caleb Williams? I, I don't know. I, I can't go that far. I can't. Jordan Love? Jordan Love over Joe Burrow? I saw Joe Burrow. He got, guy was winning the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter and playing well. So I would have Mahomes number one, and then depending on how they're playing, some order of Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Joe Burrow. Again, Joe Burrow's got to be healthy. If you tell me Joe Burrow's misses the next season with another injury. Okay, then I, I would hear it. Let's just see how, you know, I, I saw Joe Burrow this year healthy. He put up like 35 points on the 49ers with his eyes closed. He's, he's fucking good. So I, I'd pump the brakes there a little bit, but, you know, given right now that he's injured, it would have to be Mahomes, Lamar, and Allen. You know, you, listen, I, I would take Josh Allen over Lamar, uh, but... If you took Lamar over Josh Allen, I'm not going to argue with you. I, I still think Josh Allen, how good he was the other night. You can be like, well, the stats, I don't know. What I witnessed, I've been watching sports for 30-plus years. That's as good as it gets. I mean, that's, it doesn't get much better than the way I thought he was playing. I'm not saying he's perfect. He's going to miss some plays. I think he's a pretty special player. Lamar wins this game. It's going to be hard, you know, be hard not to pick him. But I, I think those guys have separated from the class. Their physicality, their toughness, their mental toughness, uh, their ability to play in cold weather. My wonderful wife is sending this message on my behalf. Heading to San Francisco for the game this weekend. Have fun. First ever Niners game. What's a good spot near the stadium to try and catch the AFC Championship prior to the game? The shitty part about where the Niners, and listen, I'm not a big South Bay guy. I've always been, I live on the other side of the Bay Bridge. Uh, from the Sacramento area, lived in Walnut Creek, lived in Emeryville. Like I, I don't really do the South Bay, though I like Palo Alto and Stanford. That area is kind of an industrial... I, there are some hotels. There's like a big Hilton. Uh, I would guess go to one of the hotels, but there's not like... This isn't like Philadelphia, where there's a bunch of sports bars around it. It's not really the setup. So I, I've never... Whenever I've gone to a game, I have... I guess a lot of times, I mean, back in the way a long time ago, I used to have a media pass. I would just go watch the game upstairs. But I, I would, I guess, try to go to one of the hotels. But depending on where you're parking, it can be a little complicated. 
it's not a great setup for that, to be honest with you. So I, I don't really have a great answer. Because it's not like there are a bunch of bars there on the strip. It's not really, just not how it works. And you can't kind of go around the corner to a bar because parking is such a shit show. So I, I guess what I would try, if you really want to watch the AFC Championship get the game, you know, get there. What time does the game kick off? 3.30 Pacific Standard Time. Maybe try to get there like 11-ish and, and try to weasel your way into one of the hotel bars. Honestly, I've never even been to the hotel, so I don't know how great the hotel bar is. But I would Google and look into that. Question for you. As a Commanders fan, and not having much to be cited about in the last 30 years, if Adam Peters end up hiring a defensive-minded head coach, should the fans trust Peters with the decision and still be excited about a fresh start? Listen, Adam Peters now has had a front-row seat with Bill Belichick. He worked in the office for a long period of time. And then he went with John Elway and was around John Fox and then Kubiak, who won the Super Bowl with Peyton. And then for the last, whatever, six, seven years, every day of practice that I've ever went to, Adam's right there with John Lynch and Kyle in the middle of the field. And obviously he goes hand-in-hand hand with John Lynch. So he's a front-row seat with, uh, with Kyle Shanahan. But he also got to be around D'Amico and Robert Sala and Bobby Slowick and Mike McDaniel. So like, I think he's got a pretty good idea what to look for in a head coach. From Belichick to Elway to now Lynch and Kyle and all the guys coming out under the 49ers, I, I would give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I, I really would. I, I, listen, I'm biased. I think, consider Adam a friend. I think he's a stud. I, I think you should be fucking thrilled that he accepted your job. Initially, I was irritated by all the shows and Colin's feed was sending me. But once I found your show, I realized it was worth it. Sound like my girlfriend. Do you think Kyle is obligated to bring back Wilkes if they make or win the Super Bowl? I don't think he's terrible, but it's hard to watch the Niners get run all over and not register any sacks. I got news for you. Like, I'm not a huge Steve Wilkes guy relative. Now, I can, like, I've seen D'Amico the last two years, and I think D'Amico is a superstar. He's not getting fired, one. And two, this kind of a personnel problem. You know, Armstead's old, and he's banged up. Chase Young, like, seems like a good guy. Kind of not very good at football. Like, not anywhere near the number two overall pick. Javon Kinlaw is an all-time bust. Might be injuries or whatever, but he's not any good. So you have a lot of play. And Hargrave is, is like an elite role player. Like, if you put, if Armstead was healthy and they had another good defensive end beside Nick Bosa, Hargrave would dominate. And obviously he's a Pro Bowl level player, but he can't just like, he, he won't just turn into some... I don't even know, like, Dindamakin Sue. Like, he can just stop the run. Or I'm trying to think of, like, a big defensive tackle. They're t the Ravens guys. Like, just big, lumbering. He's small. He's a pass rusher. So, the run, not stopping the run, is more of an indictment, in my opinion, on the defensive lineman. Like, Bosa's good against the run. And Fred Warner, while he's an elite chase guy inside to side, like, he can't, if you get a body on him, he's not... You know, this isn't like uh, LeVon Kirkland coming downhill. Old school reference for my younger folk. Hi, John. This is German from Lima, Peru. Fan of three and out since last year. I like this guy. Uh, we're very international here. Do you think Jalen Hurts' great season might just be an outlier? Because without the 2022 season, all his college and pro has just been okay. I would say I'd be a little nervous about that if I was the Eagles. I, I, I would. 
Now, I, I'm, I'm one of those people that was not very high on him coming out of college. I just didn't think he could throw the ball well enough. I thought he was much more inclined to like be a running back in the NFL. And then I watched last season, and he shut me up. I was like, God, I kind of... And then, obviously, the character, the work ethic, the toughness. I'm like, I like those type guys. I have never have an issue coming around on a player. Once, as you get to know him, all the character stuff, you're like, this guy stands for everything I want in a player. Toughness, work ethic, desire, coachability. So I, I'm, I will gravitate toward those guys. But there, it does seem like he's just sitting in the pocket throwing the ball like... You know, it can be a little hit or miss, which was one of the knocks on him in college. Like, he's not a true pocket quarterback. He's more of a playmaker. And then what happened this year? As the season went on, they were, like, running him less. Like, I watched Lamar at any moment. Like, they still run him. Like, part of one of Jalen's best attributes is running. For the Middlecoff mailbag, should the Chiefs fire Matt Nagy after the struggles on offense this season if they do not win this weekend? I got news for you. If Andy Reid were to retire, I think they would hire Matt Nagy to be their next head coach. College teammates with Brett Veach. The quarterback swears by him. Matt Nagy would be the next coach of the Chiefs. I'm pretty confident on that. So not only were they not going to fire him, they love Matt Nagy in Kansas City. I was thinking about this the other day. Now, bias on this one as well. I'm a, Matt Nagy's a friend. Love the guy. Bald brother. He did, I mean... He, I guess he inherited him. He got there. Mitch Trubisky was his quarterback. I'm not saying Nagy's tenure was perfect. <laughs> I'm not defending. We all watched the games. They were Mr. Trubisky. We saw Mr. Trubisky this year. Almost got Mike Tomlin fired. Mailbag. Love the show. Question for the bag. Would it be worth it for a team like the Vikings to pick up Derek Henry's contract? After 10 years, is he worth what he now costs? Also, is there somehow... For me to get be able to get NFL film, I'm pretty sure that Derrick Henry is just an unrestricted free agent. Like I don't think Derrick Henry is under contract, so I'm pretty sure anyone can sign him. Let me just double check this, Derrick Henry, because part of trading for him, he's an unrestricted free agent, so you do not need to trade for him or anything. I think the question is, what's he going to cost? Like Derrick Henry, these last couple years. I mean, since 2020, now he's earned this. He was obviously one of the great running backs. I mean, hell, I've ever seen, but truly of his generation. $15 million, $13 million, $13 million, $12.7 million. Like, he's used to making a lot of coin. Is he just going to be available for 4 or $5 million? Or is he still in his mind? We saw that last game of the season. He ran for, I forget the exact total, like a buck 55, a buck 60 against the Jags to end their season. Duke can still play. Clearly takes care of his body, very serious about football, high character guy. So I I would guess someone gives him like two years, $20 million, you know, like 10 a year and guarantees maybe 10. Something like that would be my guess on the contract form. The NFL film, if you want to watch the All-22, I think you got you to gotta get the NFL, I forget what it's called, I have it to watch all the games, NFL package or... Not not the YouTube TV thing, but the NFL has like a NFL Rewind. You can watch all the games back, and they they have after usually like on by Tuesday they have the uh, All Twenty Two film. It actually like a lot of people in the media that talk about it make it sound like it's a lot cooler than it is. I don't think you'd watch probably as much as you think you would. I guess is what I'm saying. 
I'm not a 49er fan, but due to serving in Hawaii, I only get the California teams without paying extra, so I typically watch and root for the Niners. You and Coward often say how you would rather prefer a young head coach to be your offensive play caller. However, I think last Saturday in the Packer vs. Niner game proved there's two sides to this since Kyle is the offensive play caller and the head coach, there's no one to radio into the headset and tell him, hey, it's raining. Purdy can't grip the ball. We have Christian McCaffrey. Run the damn thing. I think Kyle should really have someone in that organization that can tell him if something isn't working and get him away from his plan because oftentimes you're in the fog of war and it can cloud your judgment. I would tend to agree. Like, if you're in the battle and the fog of war, whether it be legitimate war or comparing this to football, if it's a super tight game, it could be the difference. That's pretty obvious. Like, I can't give him the fog of war. Like, his quarterback couldn't grip the ball. He's standing right there and calling all the plays. He's 44 years old. He's been an offensive coordinator for like 15 years in the NFL. So I think there's a fine line of like, hey, you need someone to tell you when to challenge, when to do certain things. Totally agree. If you can't see, as one of, we all acknowledge, one of the best play callers in the league and one of the best offensive minds, like, hey, Debo's injured. Your quarterback's fucking skipping balls and airmailing them. Let's, I don't know, hand it off to this dude from Stanford who's pretty good that you hand it to all the time. It'd be one thing if it's like, well, he just never gives it to Christian for whatever reason. He literally rides him like he's in the Kentucky Derby. That's, that was the craziest part about that game. Question for the show. What's the bigger issue? Purdy's physical limitations going forward as a franchise quarterback or the immediate concerns on both the O and D lines not winning the line of scrimmage? I ask in the light of the pressure on Shannon to deliver a Super Bowl. Well, they don't have to make a decision on Purdy for years. Like, you don't even have to extend the guy. Like, they, they extended the guy for Jalen Hurts after the third year because they thought he was going to be a superstar, right? If they knew he would have been had this year that he just had, they wouldn't have done it because they would have got him at cheaper price this season. Like, to me, they don't even need to pay Purdy for a couple years. So, like, his physical limitations kind of are what they are. Like, we know. We see him. His arm strength is, like, is not going to change. His ability to grip in the rain so far has been pretty consistent. They have invested so much in the defensive line. Their defensive line coach, there's a decent chance. Stoutland with the Eagles. It wouldn't shock me if he makes like three or four million dollars as the O-line coach. I would imagine their defensive line coach, Chris Kasarik in San Francisco, is a top five paid position coach. Makes millions of dollars a year. Because he's good. But his unit right now is underachieving. Maybe they are what they are now because of their age and their injuries. I don't know. So I would say the biggest concern coming up these next two weeks would be the lines. <laughs> Right, you got to handle if you play the Ravens or the Chiefs, their defensive line, Chris Jones, Karlovskis, all the dudes on the Ravens, and defensive line. Like, can you get pressure on either Mahomes or Lamar Jackson? Hell, to beat the Lions, you got to get pressure on Jared Goff. Will you please talk about this one? No one is talking about it. With 133 left and only one timeout for the Bucks, on paper, three knees should pretty much end the game. The first big mistake is by Goff when he takes a knee on second down with 16 on the playcock and 106 in the game. The Buccaneers could have used their timeout here and they would have got the ball back with 20 seconds left. You can actually see Dan Campbell realize their mistake at this point as he puts his headset back on, trying to act nonchalant as to not make Tampa aware. 
Goff then inexplicably makes an even bigger mistake by snapping the ball with 14 seconds left on the play clock on third down and taking a knee at 37 seconds. He must have thought they were out of timeouts. Bucks could have called the timeout and got the ball back with roughly 30 seconds. Yeah, I saw Florio writing about this uh, today. You just stupid. I mean, <laughs> no way around it. When you get into a position at the end of the game under two minutes and you have the ball and the other team has a limited amount of timeouts, under no circumstances can you ever snap the ball with anything more than four or five seconds on the clock. You, to snap the ball in the teens when you're a player, of a quarterback of Goff's experience and have Ben Johnson is inexcusable. Maybe I was in a fog during that. Maybe once they won, I walked into my You know, once Baker threw the pick, I walked into my office. I don't totally remember. But it, I, watching it live, I didn't feel like having read about it today and seeing yours. But yeah, it's, it can't happen. You cannot snap the ball if you're just going to kneel the ball with anything. I mean, ideally, like two seconds, right? You give yourself a little leeway. You don't want to get delay of games, but three, two seconds? Anytime that you're snapping the ball and there's double digits on the play clock, it's just like, what are we doing, guys? As a Dolphins fan, I was all in tanking for Tua. But I have finally seen the light. By no means do I think he's bad, but we're just not being the elite in the AFC with him. With cap issues, should the Finns start a hard reset? Tired of being mediocre? Ah, just, what teams do that? What teams have made the playoffs in back-to-back seasons? And go, yeah, it's time for a hard reset. That's what the media loves teams to do in the NBA. Like, why don't you just blow it up? Well, yeah, it's easy for you to say. We run a business. We need fans to watch our games. We don't want to suck. Plus, there is no like there is no guarantee. Like I believe that Bears should and will draft Caleb Williams. I think it's the right decision. There's no guarantee that he's just going to become Mahomes or Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts. Even hell, is he going to have Jared Goff's career? Who knows? We've seen over and over these. We thought Trevor Lawrence was the next Andrew Luck. By year three, it's like, what's up with this guy? He's terrible. So I. I don't know, man. I, I think you just you roll it back in next year. He plays on a fifth-year option, and you just see where it goes. It's almost on a year-by-year situation. That's better than sucking. It, it really is. Because the other thing is, your coach is pretty good offensive mind. That even if you traded him and played with Mike White and Skylar Thompson, like I, I don't think you would be like the number one picking team in the draft. Wouldn't shock me if you drafted like ninth. So it's like, what was all this for? We're winning six games instead of nine or ten. I think you would just always rather win 9 or 10. Yeah, you go, we're never going to win the Super Bowl. Who's really winning the Super Bowl? Fucking Mahomes is going every year. And the only guys that have a chance to beat him are like Lamar, Burrow, and Josh Allen. How are you, you going to acquire that? Where are you going to find it? Try to draft a guy? Well, yeah, you could, but what if he's not that? And you find a guy that's actually worse than Tua. Now, it does get complicated once you have to pay Tua. I have questions for the pod. What does Purdy actually have to do to escape to escape the negative narratives? For months, the narrative has been that we need to see him play from behind. Playing from behind inherently implies that you do not have a great start to a game, since otherwise you wouldn't be in a play from behind situation. I don't know if that necessarily, like Josh Allen had to play from behind in that game, and he was playing well. 
So I don't think it inherently means that you're not playing well. It just means that you don't have the lead in the fourth quarter. That does not mean you're playing bad. On Sunday against the Packers, we saw Purdy play from behind and bring his team back for the win. The narrative has now shifted to no one talking about how he did not play well in the first part of the game. To how he didn't play well in the first part. Had he played well the whole game, the narrative would still be that we haven't seen him play from behind. I just think he's a very polarizing player. because. We've talked about this over and over. He's the last pick in the draft. People want to say he sucks. They just do. People do not want to acknowledge that the kid can play. So, like, that is a huge elephant in the room here. No one wants to admit, yeah, he's pretty good. Because most people, everyone changing the goalposts or whatever, like you said, I I get exhausted by it. But, like, I, I think on the most basic premise, they can't go, I think the kid's a really good player. It's like, well, he's not Mahomes. He's not John Elway. But yeah, we get it. No shit. Those guys were drafted high and made hundreds of millions of dollars. Super Bowl champs, going to Super Bowls, carrying their team. This guy's really good. He's on a really good team. I'm like, yeah, he's a good player. But part of, and this is why the NFL's king, because once you're a quarterback on a really, really good team, whether you're a superstar or whether you're the, seventh pick, the last pick in the seventh round, we're going to have opinions left and right about you. So I... I just think it's part of the territory. Ultimately, it's irrelevant. They're in back-to-back NFC Championship games with him as a starter. And if they win this game, they will be in the Super Bowl. So I think it's easy for everyone to freak and have all these opinions, but you could also argue who cares. I mean, simply put, who cares? Does it really matter? (laughs) The goalposts, the narratives are not going to slow down, though. Whether he wins or loses, they're going to continue. What did Reggie Jackson once famously say? They don't boo nobodies. Like, we usually talk about people that matter, you know? I would say it's better than no one having an opinion on the guy. The Volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want, and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. 
Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.